Welcome to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. Cheerio. Cheerio, governor. Cheerio, mate. How's your <laughs> How's your day today? Jolly good. Are you having a good day? Jolly good. <laughs> so, for those of you wondering why we are going back to our mother tongue, well, I guess I am, not you. <laughs> yeah. Is because I just returned from London, London town, spent a week there. It was so jolly. Did you have tea? I did not have tea, but oh, I had gosh. a lot of gin. I forget the gin <laughs> is a big thing over there. I'm a vodka drinker, but, you know, when in London, um, we went to Wimbledon. That was just like a bucket list. Scratch that off the bucket list. Just amazing we were at the semifinals and watched the phenom carlos alcaraz 20 year old from spain who is even if you're not a tennis even if you don't like tennis or don't watch tennis or don't play it you really should check him out because uh he's like a young michael jordan on the tennis courts and just uh phenomenal to watch well that and he of course won amazing and he he won so Beat Novak Djokovic five sets. Um, he lost the first set handily, six to one. Got his footing. One of the games in the third set, I think, went 20, more than 20 minutes, one game. Awesome. And Djokovic was serving, for those of you who do play tennis, you know what that, I mean, I don't hit 120 mile an hour serves. But Djokovic does. He's also 36 years old. And I think that he just sort of ran out of gas a little bit after that. But um, super fun, fun week. What a beautiful city. Very civilized. Uh, And so if you haven't been there, and this was our first time there, I highly recommend it. It's lovely, lovely town. Well, I'm glad you're back because I missed you when you were, even though we talked when you were away still, (laughs) I missed you. I missed you too. And oh. then it was just an abrupt entry into back to the States, <laughs> <laughs> back to reality. And here we yeah, are. Yeah, it's not like there wasn't any what crazy happened? shit going on here. <laughs> no, they're totally oblivious. They're in a pub like, oh, what? You know, Baptism we, by we never, fire. We never heard of this Jack Smith. Who's Jack Smith? Um, oh. All right, Liz. So where do we begin? Okay. So I think... We'll start at the beginning of the week, which really feels almost like last year, because every day there's more crazy stuff. So you can barely remember what happened on Tuesday. Um, there was an a hearing with the IRS, two IRS whistleblowers. We were we knew of one, Gary Shapley, and the Republicans had kept the other one a secret because the Democrats will start to dig up dirt. They don't like to release their witness because the Democrats start going through that person's garbage, like literally their garbage, you know, that level trying to discredit them. Um, And so that second whistleblower, IRS whistleblower came forward. His name is Joseph Ziegler. And there's a very specific process for someone, a government worker to be a whistleblower. You you can't just say you're a whistleblower. You can't just leak stuff to the media and say, I'm a whistleblower. There's a, a, a process, a very, very specific process. Some of us learned about that process when, process when we learned about Eric Charmella, who was the fake whistleblower on the Trump Ukraine impeachment part two. 
like 2.0. Um, right. Was that the first impeachment or the that was the first. That was the I, first one. Right. Yes. I'm just yes. so confused with my impeachments. Um, so there is a very specific, there are rules. And so the these two gentlemen followed the rules. And I believe that only the Ways and Means Committee can get tax records, like deal with tax issues. So they went first to the House Ways and Means Committee, which is chaired by Jason Smith, and g- gave all of that what they had to say. And basically what they had to say, which is no surprise to any listeners of Happy Hour or Julie and Liz, which is that Merrick Garland and um, Christopher Wray were, have been lying about how the Hunter Biden investigation has proceeded. They have repeatedly said under oath to Congress and I believe in confirmation hearings that the Hunter Biden tax Farah, whatever, it's everything. I mean, who knows human trafficking at this, some some of the pictures on the laptop, who knows? All of these investigations, foreign money, this was all going to be trusted because it had been given to David Weiss by Bill Barr, who was Donald Trump's uh, attorney general. Bill Barr gave this uh, authority, loosely speaking, to David Weiss, the uh the uh, attorney general, I'm sorry, the AUSA for um, Delaware. And we were told, oh, no, he's a Trump appointee. And this is true. David Weiss was appointed by Donald Trump. So they said, oh, no, he's in charge. It's going to be handled fairly because it's not a poli- he was appointed by Donald Trump. So you can you can trust him. Um, not mentioning, of course, that whenever you're talking about assistant uh, U.S. attorneys, the state senators really have to sign off on that. And both of the state senators in Delaware, of course, are Democrats, but fine. And so these gentlemen came forward. Uh, I believe Joseph Sigler was the senior investigator on Hunter Biden's IRS investigator on Hunter Biden's tax issue. Gary Shapley was his boss. And they came forward to say that David Weiss actually doesn't have any authority at all. And so we have been getting information about uh, not from the IRS, but just stories have broken stuff from the laptop. Other whistleblowers have come forward from the FBI, not in the IRS like these gentlemen. And they have talked about some shenanigans going on behind the scene. And so these two gentlemen came forward to say that this case was absolutely not handled like any other case, any other tax issue, criminal tax issue that they've ever worked on, that they had been repeatedly blocked over and over again, at every juncture, whether it w- was investigating, going further, investigating witnesses like the whores that P- Hunter was writing off on his tax forms or going to um, get a, a warrant to search a uh, storage facility that Hunter Biden had. They had been c- repeatedly cock-blocked by the Department of Justice. And the main their main point was that while David Weiss was technically you know, a Trump appointee, he basically had to get sign off from Biden political appointees, both in D.C., which is a garbage shithole country and in California. And so they really were not able to, despite recommending and having evidence, the evidence they were allowed to collect for numerous felonies, you know, basically they, you know, we all know what the sweetheart deal was. So these gentlemen came and testified um, on Tuesday and gave, I think, to oversight to talk about 
what they what they went through and how they were stopped. So um, that was really interesting. Um, of course, the Democrats, no surprise, their line of attack was Trump, Trumpity, Trump, 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 Mega Trump. You know, they they didn't they don't care if the IRS is being used as a political weapon, as long as it's being used as a political weapon against their political enemies. So they did not care. They were some of them were very rude. And these two gentlemen, they're almost like right out of central casting as to what you would think like a government agent is. They really did seem like straight arrows. The 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 Jeffrey, the, sorry, Joseph Ziegler, um, who was the one that was re- finally revealed on Tuesday. This guy is a gay Democrat. He has a husband, right? He's married to a husband. Mar- he's married to a man. So, you know, that's a tough, that's tough for that puts the Democrats in like an intersexual, intersectional quagmire, right? I mean, right. They love, they love that shit, but not so much this guy, but they really came off. I thought very, very, um, like Convincing. focused on, specific, yes. very respected, very objective. And um, you, and they were really treated poorly by the Democrats. Very rude. Oftentimes, the Democrats didn't let them speak. They just used their five minutes to, you know, shit out garbage. And I, I do want to just quickly bring everyone's attention to my one of my favorite moments of of the hearing, which um, is from one Representative Chantel Brown of Ohio, who basically was one of those Democrats who didn't ask them questions. She just sort of like honked. Like that's how I describe her voice and what she was saying was like honking like a goose, like honk, honk, honk. So she was honking and she went off on this, of course, racism tangent. She's African-American woman representing Cleveland about how black people are audited at two and a half times the rate as white people. And I think that's actually true. But what was lost on this dim bulb was that she's literally in a hearing about how the world's most famous white Nepo baby got a slap on the wrist for like very, very serious tax crimes. And but whatever, she was like, just wanted to honk about that. So anyway, the hearing was great. They were treated very badly by Democrats. Um Another highlight was Marjorie Taylor Greene, who blew up like a really pornographic <laughs> picture of Hunter with a, yeah. a whore, one of his whores, um, hooker, whatever, stripper, baby mama. Um, that that made people they, that made them a little giddy uh, and angry about it. Uh, but I thought I thought it was great, and that and these agents are going to turn over more information. Um, they can only give the information to oversight that what they talked about, both of them were there with our lawyers on each side of them. Because uh, like I said, this is a very specific process. And what you don't want is for any way to call them not whistleblowers because they would face retaliation. And once um, somebody, a government worker has whistleblower status, then they can't be retaliated against. They can't be fired, um, lose their pension, et cetera. So all in all, it was very interesting. It, of course, got zero coverage uh, from the mainstream media, ABC, NBC, CBS, and whatever, any of them, and MSNBC did not, not one word, uh, not one word. And it was just fascinating. It, it, it's just, it's astonishing to watch the media ignore. I mean, I think Sean Davis tweeted this yesterday, and he, he is correct, that this is the biggest scandal in American yeah. history. And to have the corporate media continue to ignore this and 
describe these men and not just these men, the FBI whistleblowers like Steve Friend and um, Kyle Serafin and the others who testified about the weaponization of the FBI. <clears throat> they they describe them in scare quotes, quote unquote, so whistleblowers. So, so, whistleblowers. so this clown Eric Caramella, who is a Democrat operative, who no one yep. could even say this this clown's name. Remember, if you we you could not even, say it on you Twitter, couldn't tweet his name. Otherwise, it so people were like using asterisks like so <laughs> your keyboard would stop working or whatever. Like you try to type E-R-I-C and then it would just stop working on Twitter. It's that serious. Um, so here and these men, we have to uh, it, we have to emphasize are true American heroes. I cannot even imagine the courage that it took to sit before Congress, under oath, take this ridiculous fire from these, from Democrats, um, really demeaning them right to their face. Yeah. And challenging what they're saying. And to your point, they were very careful. They they know the subject matter. They were deeply involved in this investigation. And they are deeply offended that all of their work went nowhere. That Hunter Biden is getting this slap on the wrist when he committed. And, and let's set aside. So explaining what happened here. This investigation allegedly was began in 2018, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware. Why Delaware? The crimes weren't committed in Delaware. So you've got an entire venue issue to begin with, right? The crimes actually were committed in Washington, D.C. and in California, where he lived. I don't know that he ever actually lived or had full residence in Delaware. Maybe he did. But um. The Department of Justice, the tax division, actually prepared this hundred, almost hundred page um, document detailing all of Hunter Biden's tax crimes from 2014 through 2019, I believe. And when they so this was part of their investigation with what these gentlemen were involved in. And uh, so it appears I don't know. I have mixed analysis of David Weiss. I know people have been very hard on him, but look, there's conflicting reports even from him as to his sole authority that Attorney General Merrick Garland claimed that he gave David Weiss to charge in any jurisdiction that he wanted to. Now, either David Weiss didn't understand that that was the case or he's covering up the fact that he he didn't pursue charges, but it looks like he actually did because they went to DCOS attorney Matthew Graves. Shocker. And, right. It's like a cockroach, a guy. Talk, okay. Let's talk about him. Right. <laughs> so they went to Matthew Graves for the tax crimes that were committed in 2014 and 2015 when Hunter Biden was obviously in D.C. and presented this information to Matthew Graves, who was appointed by Joe Biden, confirmed in November of 2021. He was a Biden campaign domestic policy advisor. His wife, Fatima Goss Graves, uh, runs a $100 million nonprofit, the National Women's Law Center, radical uh, left-wing outfit there. So they're both Democratic operative. So when they brought this information to Matthew Graves in March of 2022, as he was continued to round up Mimas from Indiana, who took selfie in the Capitol building in, on January 6th, um, reportedly he declined to prosecute Hunter Biden for the 2014 and 2015 crimes, which by the way, the 2014 tax return omitted his first payments from Barisma, which were for, uh, roughly $400,000. 
And um, I, I believe it was his lawyer or accountant. There's an email that indicates to Hunter, hey, you you left off, you left off the illegal money that you're taking from Barisma as a quote unquote board member, not as a foreign lobbyist, which of course he was. So at any rate, um, Matthew Graves declined to prosecute, and it looked like the U.S. Attorney and I believe Central California also declined to prosecute. So, so David Weiss was left empty-handed at the end of last year, apparently, and then came up with this um, ridiculous plea agreement where Hunter, I think, is pleading guilty to two misdemeanors, and the gun charge is basically dropped. Well, yeah, he didn't have, I don't think, I mean, I, I'm i like you, I'm not really sure what to make a Weiss. I think almost at the end of the day, these people are, in, most of them are institutionalists where they're always going to protect the institution. Maybe he thought he did have authority, but he really didn't. He could have, they could have prepared a document, but if the DOJ is not going to move on it, the DOJ is not going to move on it, right? I mean, that's, right. they, he, stu- he stuck there. And that's really what these gentlemen were talking about was that Weiss admitted to them and in a meeting that he really didn't have ultimate authority about what would happen. And then he sort of walked it back. And there was a controversy about they were the Democrats were challenging these gentlemen on, uh, you know, whether Weiss said that or not. I think it was Shapley who wrote it down contemporaneously and then sent a follow up email that day, like summarizing the meeting. That's what you do when you make a record. And in in that contemporaneously, like same day, summarized the meeting. And in that summary said, David Weiss said he did not have ultimate authority. So that's as good as evidence as you're ever going to get in a situation like that. And that is considered evidence by a court. I mean, when you make a contemporaneous note, remember, let's go back to like the Russia collusion hoax when um, our friend Susan Rice wrote a memo to file. Right. Which was we're going to do everything by the book. Remember? By yes. the book. By the book. Jim and that is the Rice, same kind of thing. Book. By the book. Yep. Right? This these gentlemen made a, you know, a record of that. And so, you know, Weiss is kind of squirming. I think he's probably, you know, not in a great place. But these these men <clears throat> really were probably spent a lot of time. And to be, let's be honest, I, at one point in the hearing, I think it was um Ziegler said the amount of money that Hunter Biden got from foreign countries, the Biden family, let's just say, because their grandkids involved. I mean, this is super shady. Something like 17 million dollars. Right. That's that just saying no. I think, it, I think it's 18. But yes. Not, right. Not that is crazy amount of money that that they got, which, of course, is, again, you getting a large amount of money from a foreign country is a red flag and certainly a political person getting and someone proximity to power getting large amounts of money is a major red flag and so this is just so well, it was blatant. a literal red flag right because yeah. banking institutions um I, I notified the government i think over a hundred times uh, called suspicious activity reports yeah um of this money exchanging hands between these foreign i mean so the countries are what russia Ukraine, Romania, China, China. very weird. That's what we and that's what we know of. Right. I mean, who knows who they were shaking down here? Yeah. Uh, So, right. You're right. That's a lot of money. I mean, Joe Biden has been a government hack paid 
paid government employee his entire life. adult life. Hunter, and we'll get to this FD 1023 because the CHS or, or the owner of Burisma had some pretty funny things to say about Hunter Biden, but <clears throat> he never had a real legit job. He somehow managed to get a law degree and he was with a law firm, I think, for a short amount of time. And then in 2008, after the big guy was elected, he started opening what he opened, Rosemont Seneca, Rosemont Seneca and some other who knows how many little so many different LLCs, right. Um, But you're right. That's a lot of money for them. Now, the sad part of it is as Joe Biden was exploiting his son, and of course, his other son, Bo Biden, I think he was, um, was he the Delaware Attorney General? He, or was he a DA or something there? Um, So he obviously used Hunter to shake down all these foreign businessmen and foreign government officials so Joe Biden could live the high life. Well, what happens is then Hunter has all this money, and that's what he uses to um, advance his or, numerous actions. Yeah. You know, in a way, it's sort of sad. I mean, you do, ha- as bad as Hunter Biden is, this is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a bad person. He's a bad person. He's a bad father. He's a horrible president. He's just not a good human being. He's the one who used his son and enabled his addictions that are, are just almost destroyed his life. And he put no stop to it. I know they threw him in the military for a couple of days. That didn't work because he flunked the drug test. <clears throat> then as soon as he was released or discharged, then that's when he was appointed to the Burisma quote-unquote board. And Joe Biden flew around the world and used his son to sweep up millions of dollars in illicit uh, funds from hostile states. So you have to think if you're like a foreign country like Russia, China, Romania, the Ukraine, that you're dealing with Hunter, who is kind of known, I I believe, to have a drug problem that really wasn't secret. Right. So they knew who they were dealing with. There had to be some amount of like credibility to Hunter claiming he had influence. Otherwise, why would they give him money. He could have just been a deranged drug addict that actually was cut off from his father. But it's hard to believe that Joe Biden had absolutely nothing to do with what Hunter was doing. And Hunter was getting millions and millions and millions of dollars from all these foreign countries. Right. And the foreign countries were like, yeah, we trust you. We're sure your dad is down with it. You know, I mean, we're learning more and we've learned that Joe was involved in discussions and was hanging out with Hunter's business partners. And of course, the famous text message where Hunter's like, I'm sitting here next to my dad and we want to know why you haven't wired us five million dollars yet. You know, it's impossible to think that he was able to get all of this money and the people giving it to him didn't need any reassurance that his father was like on board with it. I mean, those countries are themselves corrupt. They're corrupt countries. They know how things work. So it's think about think about the blackmail opportunity. I mean, who knows how Joe Biden is being. I mean, we know what's happening in Ukraine. Joe Biden is forked over how much? Hundred plus billions billions of dollars. Right. Weapons, systems, et cetera. But who knows how else this is manifesting in China or in Romania, certainly we know Ukraine, in Russia. I mean, who, who knows how these enti- these businessmen, not businessmen, these corrupt officials, 
are blackmailing and using this as leverage against Biden and his entire administration to get whatever they want. And no one cares. The media does not care. No, they don't care. And, and, and the institutions don't care, the ones that should care, right? Like the DOJ or people that want to, that work in the government, that kind of want to insulate. This is why people have security checks when you go up the chain in some of these agencies. And certainly when you work in the White House or near the Oval Office, they want to make sure that you aren't blackmailable. That's like a big thing that they check for. And Hunter is just a walking opportunity to blackmail. And I just want to make one other point on on this before we move to our next crisis. Um, These agents who are career IRS investigators, they've probably like charged and maybe even put people in jail for tax crimes so much less than this, you know? And so to have something like this fly, it's really quite offensive if you think about it. Um, I would probably guess this is probably the worst case they've ever had of, um, you know, like just the the money laundering and the shell companies. And then imagine the audacity of somebody writing off a membership to a sex club on your their taxes. The audacity. Yes. Of that, someone which doing is that. what he did. Right. And he wrote off. Staying at the hotel, what was the name of the hotel in uh, L.A. or Beverly Hills where he stayed? And eventually they, they banned him from going there. Um, oh, Chateau, Chateau Marmont. Yes. He, I believe he wrote that off or attempted to write that off on his taxes as well, which is where he you know, hung out with prostitutes and smoked crap. And drug dealers. And- but look, it's, yeah. you're the person who is primarily responsible for this is former attorney general, Bill Barr. He is responsible and he should be called before Congress, give public sworn testimony as to why he let this investigation not move forward. He buried it, Liz. He buried it because he could have have appointed a special counsel. He knew that's the question is Bill Barr is not dumb. Okay, Bill Barr is a very smart man and Bill Barr knows the justice system very well because, again, he this is a second go round as attorney general and he knows the system. He could have done anything at the time and he chose to do it this way. And I don't think there's any other conclusion other than he knew exactly what he was doing and he did it on purpose, knowing that David Weiss was going to get cock blocked by Biden appointees and crazy left wing attorneys in other venues. He knew that he had to know. He is not a he, dumb man. He had to know. And let's let's remind our listeners that the FBI had the laptop as of December 2019. Yep. At least that's the date that we've been told, correct? So, and the FBI is part of the Department of Justice. So, the FBI had the laptop. Bill Barr didn't know that. Don't believe it. But throughout 2020, this was an issue. There was reporting. There were accusations. I mean, Donald Trump, that was the basis of his impeachment, is that he wanted an investigation into Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's uh, business dealings in Ukraine. So Bill Barr knew all of this. If he didn't know about the laptop, fast forward to now this this uh, FBI form we're going to talk about. It looks like it was documented June, June of 2020. This was not run up the flagpole 
to the top boss, Bill Barr? No, there's no way. Julie, you, you we've heard repeatedly and, and <clears throat> in, from these FBI agents, too, that whenever you have like a high profile person, it, it gets escalated to the top. So the idea that Bill Barr did not know they had Hunter Biden's laptop is preposterous. It's preposterous. And aside from this, there was there have been reporting for years about Hunter Biden. I mean, before Joe Biden announced for he, he was going to run for president, there were huge articles in The Washington Post and New York Times about his, quote unquote, Hunter problem. This was the worst kept secret in Washington, D.C., what Hunter Biden was doing on behalf and Joe Biden's brother, James, by the way, they everyone knew this crime, this family crime racket. Bill Barr, who has been a fixture in Washington, D.C., his entire life, who was attorney general under the first George Bush, he had never heard any of this about the Bidens. Come on. But even if he let's say he didn't let's pretend he didn't know about the laptop. Let's pretend he wasn't reading any of the news accounts for the past, you know, 10 years about the Biden family crime racket. In September of 2020, Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley issue a lengthy report detailing all of Hunter Biden's crimes, all of the money that he was getting, including the $5 million, or was it $5 million? I, we're stuck on $5 million because it's in the form here, including money from the widow of the former mayor of Moscow. They detailed in that report well, everything that they had, they had been investigating for a few years. Everything was in that report that was issued September of 2020. Why didn't then? Bill Barr appoint a special counsel. He did nothing. And in fact, when he was asked specifically in December of 2020, and I posted this on Twitter this week, he was asked by a reporter in his final press conference, because of course he resigned, um, if he was going to appoint a special counsel to protect the investigation into Hunter Biden. And here's what he said. Let me pull it up here. Sorry. Um, The question was uh, off topic. This was a press conference about uh, the Lockerbie uh, bombing. Do you have any concerns or worries that the next AG that comes into the Biden administration will try to scuttle or kill the Hunter investigation and or the Durham investigation? His answer about the Hunter Biden investigation. I'm hoping that the next administration handles that matter responsibly. And keep in mind, too, he didn't even appoint John Durham as special counsel until October of 2020. What the hell was Bill Barr doing? He needs to account for all of this. Bill Barr is is an institutionalist, just like Weiss is. A lot of these people that are part of the the permanent coup, right, to borrow from our friend Lee Smith, these people are permanent. They are in what I call the political industry. They are in the industry of politics. They are permanent fixtures. And their number one goal is to ensure the continuity of the structure that they have power in. That's their number one goal. So, I mean, Barr didn't, people like Barr, those in the permanent infrastructure, they are threatened by a scandal so large that the public would be outraged that would require really the system to be overhauled. That's their worst nightmare. They do not want the system to be overhauled. This is very similar to why Trump was so dangerous to them when he started talking about going after the deep state. First, they were like, oh, there's no such thing as a deep state. And then they were like terrified because they are the deep state. But that is the that is their fear. When something is so bad 
that it threatened that enough people will get angry that elected officials will be forced to literally overhaul the system, which is the system in which that they have power. So uh, just to go back to your other point about how Barr couldn't know about how corrupt Hunter Biden is, it's not even just the Biden family. This is the business model in this town. How many other politicians are suspiciously rich for being public servants their whole life? Look at the Clintons. That is another great example where their fake foundation was getting hundreds of millions of dollars from all these foreign countries in which he lost the election. The whole thing sh- closed up shop. That they didn't totally open forgot that about charity. That. Totally right? forgot about that. Yes. This is, this is, there are so many people, many. And let's, and names. let's say again, how, what a terrible human being Joe Biden is. He exploits his other son, Bo Biden's tragic death, exploits that. In Iraq. To start no, this. Yeah. I forgot. I'm sorry. <laughs> In Iraq. Another lie. <clears throat> and he does all this to get sympathy for himself, right? He, he's getting sympathy for him. He's not because parents who lose a child that tragically don't continue to bring it up, lie about the circumstances of their child's death and exploit it for political purposes, which, of course, is exactly what Joe Biden did, which he did, too, when his wife and baby daughter were killed in a car accident. As you will recall, he continues to use that and had the prop where he's taking the oath and a picture of it with his two sons, Hunter and Bo, in the hospital bed because they almost died, too. This is the worst person to ever occupy the Oval Office, and that's saying a lot, right? He yeah. is the worst human being to ever sit. He, he he desecrates the White House, the Oval Office, every time he enters it. And he exploited Bo's death by setting up this foundation, right, to get all of this money and insurance company. There was this whole, uh, I, I don't remember if it was Politico or someone did some really good investigative work as to who was um, donating to that. And then you're right. Then where is it now? Where's all the money? Who is being paid? Right. Well, that's like I said, that is that the Clintons are another big case. But you know what? There's a lot of people whose names the public doesn't even know. There yep. is an industry of doing this is literally a business model for people that are that are influence peddling. So many congressmen. Remember, a congressman makes one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. I think they got a raise. So maybe a little bit more. Senators make like two hundred to twenty. Maybe you do not become a multimillionaire when that is your salary. Okay. You, you, you don't, right. I mean, that's a nice living. Although here in DC, it's basically almost the poverty line because the cities are expensive, but you get my point. You do not become a multi multimillionaire. You do not have fancy beach houses, you, you know, in Rehoboth or all over the place. You know, Biden has several houses. You do not get rich being up a public servant on a salary of a congressman or senator. And that is the business model here. So the idea that Bill Barr would be shocked that uh, the president's relative would be influence peddling when that happens all the time is is a shocking. So really, you're right, Julie, the, and I'm right because I said this too. This Bill Barr has a lot of questions to answer. He's never I'm sure they're never going to call him and nothing will happen. <laughs> I'm so cynical, but he's too busy. He's too busy going on Fox News saying how um, what did he say in the classified documents case? Trump has no defense. Yeah, but I think he was just imitating doing his best Andrew McCarthy imitation uh, at that point. So, you know, Trump has no defense. Okay, you're right. Dexy's midnight runner, Andrew McCarthy. 
Our Come on, Eileen. <laughs> Come on, wonder. Andy. <clears throat> Too bad. <laughs> So let's go on to the next. God, there's so many things. So I want to talk briefly before we go into the big um, Grassley's revelation. There was another hearing this week, um, and that was on censorship uh, um, and on government overreach as part of the weaponization of government efforts of investigations going on with the Republican Congress. And so there was a uh, hearing with... um, uh, the woman, Emma Jo, why can't I remember her Morris. name? <clears throat> Morris. Don't get Emma old. Jo Morris. Yeah, Emma Jo Morris, who was at the time at the New York Post, who's now at Breitbart, she broke the Hunter Biden laptop story. And so she was a witness. And then also RFK, who, um, RFKJ, RFK Jr., and then some, like, angry, you know, Democrat black lady who was there to just, you know, talk about how speech should be censored because it's dangerous. And that was a very interesting hearing because the Democrats really wanted to censor RFK Jr. They did not want him to be able to talk because they thought he should be censored. And it was a censorship hearing. It was quite funny. They were very nasty to him. They did not let him. They slandered him. They misrepresented the things he said. It was just as you would expect. And and, you know, Emma Jo uh, Morris was, um, but I said her name right. It's Emma Jo Morris, right? Yeah. Um, Yeah. She was great too. I mean, you know, she had broken this story and the Hunter Biden laptop story, which was hyper censored and to the point where you couldn't even privately send it to people on Twitter. The New York Post lost their account and, you know, the, the question is, are there things that are so dangerous that the government has the right to step in? Now, the Democrats were thinking, oh, well, there wasn't they didn't threaten the company, the government. They just suggested it. You know, it's like when your boss suggests you stay late. Like, is that really just a suggestion or do you think that you kind of need to stay late at work? I mean, it's kind of it's a joke to say that. So the Democrats took exactly what we the tack exactly what we would expect, which is that, you know, it's dangerous. And then some of them went off into some weird like covid garbage about how, you know, so many more people would have been saved had they been even more stricter about vaccine, quote, disinformation, um, you know, because people didn't take the vaccine because of I don't know, I guess someone like squeaked through their blockade on talking about the vaccine. Um, And a lot of the Democrats still live in a fantasy land. They were like, well, they they could have been, they wouldn't have gotten COVID and they wouldn't have transmitted COVID if they got the vaccine. And I'm like, are you seriously still believe that shit? Like, do you believe in the tooth fairy and Santa Claus? That's crazy. Um, So that was a good hearing. And if you have the opportunity to watch some clips of that, uh, listeners, it's, it's definitely worth it, especially poor RFK Jr., He really um, he took it. But, you know, I like him. He's feisty. And the Democrats are not having him. He was not not having it. He's and the thing is with him, I don't know all the deep like I'm not I don't know anything. I'm not an immunologist and I don't know everything about vaccines. So I have no idea whether what he says is right or wrong. But I want to hear what he has to say. And I think if he's wrong, then someone who knows that should come up and offer proof. And the proof can't be shut up. Right. The proof has to be like, no, you're wrong. And he got into a bit of trouble. And I found this to be interesting. And I think I can say this because I am Jewish, where he came out uh, last week and said that the. Wait, um, you're Jewish. I'm Jew. I'm a Jew. What am I doing? 
Um, he came out last week and said that the because there was a study that showed that the virus has effects on people gen- different based on genetics that some sure. people have a genetic predisposition this is this is first of all not controversial to say this people are always affected differently based on genetic people have a genetic predisposition sure. to cancer people right. have a genetic predisposition to all kinds of things right In, uh, autoimmune disease not at all controversial so he is apparently chinese um I guess people who are Asian or Chinese and Ashkenazi Jews, holla, um, less affected <laughs> by the by the virus. Sure. Is this true? I don't know. We should have the data. This seems like something that we would have data to find. And if it's true, that's interesting. Let's find out. But they went bananas. You can't say that. It's racist. It's anti-Semitic. He just got dragged through the trash. Um, but keep going, RFKJ. You know, keep keep fighting. It was great. Uh, it was a good hearing. And the clowns are the clowns that the Democrats were completely clowns. During. Well, look, I, RFK Jr., I think, has done some solid research on the covid vaccine. Um, but he is overall a quack um, and people really need to be careful in believing what he said. I watched the Joe Rogan was Joe yeah. Rogan interview. Um, <clears throat> a lot of what RFK Jr. says, for example, about glyphosate it, which is basically Roundup. Um, he's been on the forefront of trying basically to get that banned. And as you know, this was an issue that I covered before I started covering politics. The studies that he cites, especially in that um, on that issue, are is completely junk science. Um, and so, and it's a- actually quite dangerous what he's trying to do. And uh, there's been su- some success in Europe of banning glyphosate. Um, and so you have to be careful. He also is a climate change, a heavy yeah. duty climate change, yeah. uh, radical uh, uh, believer. And so um, a lot of what he says on some of these issues. And then he got into that weird Wi-Fi is dangerous. Oh, of- yeah. Was it 5G? That stuff where it's like you get brain cancer from it. Right. And he might be right. But when he was pressed for evidence, he didn't have it. So you can't just recklessly use your name uh, and your position and I think newfound authority that he has to promote quack science like that. It's no, but you know what? I, I will say this. He is open. He's the one open. He, he puts himself out there, right? Like he, and I agree with you. I, I think he is a quack on some issues and don't ever forget the guy is a leftist. He is a leftist. Um, and we just have common cause on like a First Amendment issue. But he does put himself out there. And it's the Democrats that refuse to actually debate him. I mean, if he's wrong, it's not hard. Just show him. Show where it's wrong. I mean, that's we've functioned as a as a human race or the West has for a long time. That's how we operate. Someone says something and then it's proven wrong and then we move on and over and over and over again. That's how we work. So at least he's not refusing debates. It's the Democrats that are not only refusing debates, but don't even think he should get to say what he says. And I I think that's wrong. You know, if he's if he's wrong, he's wrong. He'll be shown to be wrong. You know, more speech, not less, as Andrew Breitbart used to say. I think that that's true. So, you know, and he does seem in, in, in a lot of ways to be more of like a traditional old school Democrat where he he's shocked that the Democrats now support like major censorship, government censorship. So and that really was kind of one of the points of the hearing is, you know, does the government have the right to step in and say that is too dangerous 
for the public to hear or read, does it? And the answer is no, it never does. It does. I don't care what it is. It does not. So moving on to like the next crazy little gift we got from Chuck Grassley, we got a fabulous gift or we had heard about this, right? This is the first time we've actually seen the document. We'd heard about this document. Um, I believe that didn't Christopher Ray deny that it existed or Garland. And then I believe that that's true. They denied it. Right. And then Then, um, said, Oh yeah, we have it, but it, it's highly sensitive. And I, and then they forced lawmakers to go to a skiff to look at this, which is, but not like you couldn't write anything down. You couldn't, you know, have your phone, you just had to read it and then you had to leave. And it's not classified. It's not. It's not classified. So there was no reason for it except to just delay the inevitable, the release, and hope that that would satisfy um, Republicans in Congress. Okay, you saw it. You can't really talk about it. It's classified. You have to agree not to discuss it. Well, Chuck Grassley was um, was not was not persuaded. <laughs> yeah. So he so- released this form. It's called an FD. Uh, 1023, which basically is a um, reporting document for CHS, Confidential Human Source, which is the the technical term for informant. And so this is a, I've got it right here in my formerly tobacco stained hands, not really that formerly, is that what Rush used to say? Nicotine stained, nicotine stained hands. So I've got it right here. And um, this dates back to 2016 is the first, I believe, documentation about it. And this just details this um, informant who had knowledge um, or who was communicating with the owner of Burisma, Mikola Zlochevsky. Zlochevsky, yes. And, um, you know, basically um, confirms that both Hunter and Joe Biden were on the take to the tune of $10 million from Zlochevsky. So say it again. I'm, I'm Zlochevsky. Zlochevsky. Um, who was under investigation, not only in its own country, but also in the UK uh, for basically money laundering. He was, uh, so Burisma is uh, the country's biggest, I believe, natural gas producer, this conglomerate. It's a big company. Um, but he was in trouble. He was also, I think, the energy secretary at the same time that he owned Verissima, something crazy like that. So anyway, he was under investigation. And um, so he started paying off Hunter and Joe Biden, it looks like uh, $5 million to pay Hunter and then $5 million for the big guy. And that is the term that's used in the document. So that's how uh, that's how it started off. Yeah, that was um that was great of Grassley to finally release that. That's also another story that's getting absolutely no attention from the mainstream media, which is really proof of what they've been calling a conspiracy theory for so long. Which And this confidential human source was very respected. This is, we don't know who it is, but a long time reliable human source who basically reported all of this stuff that, that, they felt that Zolchevsky felt squeezed that he had to pay this money. And honestly, again, what are you paying Hunter Biden for? 
right? Like when people exchange money, like if I go to Walgreens and I buy a pack of gum and I give them a dollar, I don't even know how much gum costs, but let's say it's a dollar. You, I give them a dollar. They give me a pack of gum and I say, here's my pack of gum. I got it for a dollar. What the fuck did the Ukrainians get from Hunter Biden for $5 million? What is it? Right. What is it? it? It's not legal work. I mean, that's a lot of, you know, it's not, I mean, does it even, is this even in a bar? Like is Hunter Biden have a bar anymore? Like I know he went to law school, but he's probably not licensed to practice. So what is it that Biden and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are being paid for to do for $10 million? In- well, so what it sounds like is what we now know is another huge lie about Joe Biden is when he was bragging about withholding that billion dollars in U.S. aid to the president at the time, the Ukrainian president, unless they fired Victor Shokin, who was the state prosecutor investigating Burisma. Burisma, yeah. If to get him fired. So he was withholding our money, our aid to get Shokin fired, which, of course, he eventually was. But the lie that we were told after that clip came out of, I think it was 2019 that Biden was bragging about it because, of course, he's such a loudmouth fool. Dummy. Um, yes. Was that, oh, no, Shokin wasn't investigating Burisma hard enough. So he wanted to get rid of him and get somebody really serious in there to investigate the firm that had hired his son in May of 2014, paying him $83,000 a month to do what? To your point, nothing. Um, to in, to get rid of Shokin, but also it looks like to, um, I think they were trying to find a U.S.-based energy firm that they could buy and get a foothold in the United States. Um, and then also what, what did happen, and that was because Joe Biden was appointed by Obama to be sort of the, the bag man in Ukraine, is to give more money, international money, IMF funds and also U.S. funds, to develop, further develop Ukraine's um, energy infrastructure, which, of course, benefited Burisma as well. So there are a lot of different prongs to this as to why he was paying them off. Um, and and who knows who knows what else they got out of that deal. But this is a major this is again, this is a major red flag. You're talking about. Ten million dollars going from a well-known corrupt country, the Ukraine, going to the former vice president and his son. And this is just a major red flag financially that absolutely deserves some kind of national security and um, scrutiny. But remember, this the existence of this form was just full on denied. And I should mention that this form was not given to the IRS agents who were investigating Hunter Biden. Right. They, good they, point. They, they said that during their testimony. They did not have this this report of the Bidens literally shaking down Slochevsky and Burisma for money. It it just if you wrote a screenplay about this, nobody would believe you. They would say, no, we can't. This is too crazy. Nobody would ever believe this. Like you, you, you couldn't even make a movie about it because it's so crazy. It's too crazy. It's just absolutely shocking. So now the question is, what's going to happen going forward? You know, now that we have this, the media is pretending it doesn't exist. And again, the Republicans in Congress are really limited. They can't do anything because 
they would have to refer these people, these malefactors to the DOJ, which is itself like corrupt. So, you know, people say, oh, we have to impeach Biden. Okay, fine. I mean, if you want to do that, impeach him. He's not going anywhere. The Senate isn't going to convict him, you know, and and they can have that sort of dick measuring contest and impeach Biden. But really, for anybody who's wondering if there's ever going to be justice, you know, doesn't look like it. What do you think, Julie? It doesn't. And I mean, that's why I know you and I were texting this. I I feel bad for the whistleblowers because they have really put themselves, their family, their career at great risk. And at the end of the day, nothing is going to happen. Will this could this impact the 2024 election? I guess I don't think that they should try to impeach Joe Biden Um, either. Because to your point, I mean, the day that the IRS whistleblowers were testifying, Mitt Romney posts a National Hot Dog Day video on his Twitter page holding a hot dog, talking about how much he loves hot dogs. I mean, he is a hot dog. That's homoerotic. I feel like that's homoerotic. (laughs) It was so weird. Maybe he was was telling us something, you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. This is what clowns. These are the Republican clowns that represent us. That's right. That that they don't care. They no. they do not care. Like I said, all they want is a little pin that says they're a senator, so that they can go around and people can just kiss their ass around this town. They do not care about any of the principles that I guess your average American wants to think our elected officials do care about. So, well, it's look, very Chuck Grassley, and we can commend him for releasing this. This is great. But yeah. now what? You're head of the Judiciary Committee. You're chair. You're very powerful. What are you going to do now? He can't really hold a, a committee hearing because he can't Republicans aren't in charge. That's right. But now what? Uh, okay. So what are you guys going to do? Um, and I, I don't know what the Republicans are planning to do with this now. I'm sure they'll hold a separate hearing, some sort of another hearing, a few more letters. Um, letters, I, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm torn letters. on impeachment. I like the idea of impeachment just to put these officials on the hot seat to force the American people to pay attention to it, to force the corporate media to pay attention to it, even though they'll run cover for whoever is getting impeached. But Joe Biden, you're going to impeach him for for what? Then you get, I mean, you're going to be doing the Democrats sort of a favor if you get rid of them, because so many Democrats don't want Joe Biden to run for reelection. So you're actually helping them force, force this, this man to run for reelection on his record and now all of this that's been collected, and there's going to be more to come, as we know. It makes no sense to impeach Merrick Garland. He's the least of DOJ's worries, right? He's, I mean, yeah. the cancer in the Department of Justice is so widespread. There's no point in impeaching him. Then you get Lisa Monaco. She's the right. real villain well, again, over there. He's not. This is a team effort at the top of these agencies. This isn't just like one person. So. Again, you can impeach them. They'll be someone just as worse. And of course, the dumb fuck, I say that, the dumb fuck Senate Republicans will just confirm Satan. Literally, they could be like, we're putting Satan, Lord, Dark Lord. He's our nominee for for Attorney General. And fucking Mitt Romney with his hot dog will be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, sounds good. Yes, yay. Um, Well, let's, let's recall, Liz, that 48 Republicans voted to confirm Lisa Monaco. That's right. Lisa Monaco, an Obama confidant, one of his most trusted hench women, 
a Russia collusion architect who was in cahoots with John Brennan in the Situation Room as they're laying out the Russia collusion hoax, right? 48 yep. Republicans voted to put her in charge of the Department of Justice. Yeah. That's what we get and out they of knew. They knew. Well, they knew. I, they I, didn't even ask her one question during her confirmation hearing. Not one. They don't care. I'm t- this is it. This, along with everything that come keeps coming out week after week, especially in these hearings, it's very disheartening because people see this and they just think it's too too far gone. And I know I say this every show, but it's like very dangerous when you have a society where the middle class, right? I mean, you always have like little factions of people that are unhappy and they're angry. Like let's say Lyndon Larouche people holding their signs out, whatever. You always have the weirdos. But when you have a huge chunk of the population that has absolutely no confidence or faith in these institutions, and every week is another example of, you know, a in your face, flaunting the same rules that we're all held to, it's just a de- it's 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 depressing. And I don't know. And it's only going to get worse because, you know, they're gunning for Trump. And I think that that is going to really be that's a tinderbox. I mean, you know about that because you've been saying this for like a year and a half. And now you've been proven right, as you are so many times, <laughs> that that's exactly what they're going to do. So. Oh, right. That- we didn't even and we'll we'll get into in the next show. But um, before we sign off, just breaking news today on Friday is that Judge Aileen Cannon, the Trump appointed judge who's overseeing the classified documents case, set a May 20th, 2024 trial date. Um, uh, Jack Smith wanted a December trial date. That was never going to happen because this case, as she just designated it, complex and DOJ is already playing all sorts of games. They want to withhold classified evidence alleged classified evidence discovery away from Donald Trump. They claim that the Presidential Records Act has nothing to do with this case. Of course, that was the origins of this entire matter. Now they're claiming it has nothing to do with this and that Donald Trump should be treated like a private individual, not a former president, even though they refer to him as a former president in documents and in the court hearing that happened this week. So at any rate, it's very unlikely, Liz, that that trial date will stick. And I will tell you why. Jack Smith does not want to bring this case to a jury in Southern Florida because it's a bullshit case. And it's very likely that these alleged classified documents aren't even classified or they were declassified or they're just straight out lying. So but Judge Cannon is going to hold and already has. She denied one of their motions already. She's going to hold their feet to the fire. But it's very unlikely this May 2024 trial date will hold. What Jack Smith, I anticipate, will do will bring a superseding indictment to further delay the trial out, um, which me and DOJ does this all the time. So they'll bring additional charges or add defendants. There was some reporting uh, recently that they are that Jack Smith is investigating someone tied to the Trump organization related to the subpoena to get the um, security footage from Mar-a-Lago, which they have nine months of security video from Mar-a-Lago, if you can believe it. So at any rate, um, that trial date probably won't hold. Um, But then Trump announced, of course, this week on Truth Social that Jack Smith sent him a target letter. No, duh. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) we all know that Donald Trump is a target of his January 6th investigation. And so that indictment could be coming anytime. I'm guessing it'll be maybe next month. But Trump already has trial dates, right? He's got two, I believe, in New York pending. Um, And then now he's got this May trial date. Uh, Georgia, uh, Fannie Willis, the DA there, is poised to indict him as well. 
And now it looks like the Arizona attorney general, who was unlawfully elected (laughs) um, uh, last year, is also investigating, could bring charges against Trump for attempting to interfere in the Arizona election or overturn the Arizona election from 2020. So lots happening. um, But that's the update uh, from Jack Smith. All right. Well, I have a quick 80s trivia. I know we usually do that at the beginning, but we just had so much to talk about. We could keep going for like another hour. There's just so much to talk about. But um, I just want to share this. I found one that I think both Julie and I can appreciate since we do differ on music in the 80s. Um, Today, July 21st, 1987, Guns N' Roses released their debut album, Appetite for Destruction. Nice. Now you're yeah. speaking my language. And that's a great album. Let, let's not lie. That is a great that is a great album. And um, some retailers refused to stock it because of the cover art. And so they um, moved the original art for the album inside the cover back when we would buy a physical like piece of something that played our music and not digital. So those were, that was a big deal, like album covers and tapes and the liner notes and all that stuff. So um, then they, the album that we, the cover of the album that we now know is, was not the original album. So that is a little bit of 80s trivia for you. I'm going to go listen to that well, album later. Great. I just listened to Welcome to the Jungle the other, that's a good workout song, by the way. Great. Yeah, it, it's a, it has a good beat for sure. That's a great song. So thank you for listening. If you haven't subscribed on iTunes, Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. And Julie, are we going to be here next week? We are. Oh my gosh. So exciting. We'll be back here next week. You're going to have two weeks of us. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot more to talk about. Have a great weekend and tune in next week. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.